You're listening to Simple Roots Radio, episode number 206. And today, we're breaking down the lie that you just need to exercise more. And we're talking about all things exercise, like what that should look like in your life, when you should eat based on that, everything you can think of. We're breaking it all down today on the show. Welcome to Simple Roots Radio with Alexa Schirm. Alexa believes that simplicity in life is the key to achieving true and lasting health. And now your host, Alexa Sherm. Welcome back to this podcast. As always, my name's Alexa, and this is the place to get healthy, live happy, and find more joy. I'm pumped you're here today. We're talking about a subject that I don't really know that we've specifically talked about often here, and that is exercise. Yes, I'm going to be breaking down the lie that you have to exercise more in order to see the results that you want to see. I hear that all the time, and I think it goes back to the calories, which if you haven't listened to the lie that it's all about calories in equals calories out, you should go back and listen to that and all the other podcasts in this lie series uh, we have going here at Simple Roots Radio. So today we're going to specifically talk about exercise, what that looks like in our life, and how we can know if it's helping us or hurting us, because there's a lot of exercise that is really detrimental to our bodies. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how to implement healthy and safe exercise into your life, what that should look like, and even how to eat revolving that cycle that you get yourself into. So that's going to be on the show. But before we get there, I just want to remind you that I'm coming back to personal consulting. Yes, I have opened the doors to start working one-on-one with people again, and it has been a blast. I've completely overhauled the entire system in which I use it, and now we have this online app that we can use daily so I can help walk you through this process of what a healthy lifestyle looks like for you. So if you're interested and you want to work personally with someone, not just on getting the results that you want to see, but on the longevity of living a healthy life that lasts, you should head on over to my website at simperitswellness.com, click the button work with me, and fill out the application. And once I have the application, then I can go back and review and make sure that we're going to be a good fit together and start to put a plan together that's specific for you. So again, if you want to learn more about that or get started, head on over to SimperitzWellness.com, click on Work With Me. And of course, all of the information on today's show can be found over in the show notes at SimperitzWellness.com backslash 206. Check that out because I'm going to leave some of my favorite resources as it has to do with exercise that are low cost, low impact, and things that I am really loving in my own life. So make sure you head on over there to learn more about that and to sign up for personal consulting. Plus, a little secret's coming out soon. In the next month, I'm going to be releasing a new batch cooking guide all on spring living. Inside that guide, I'm going to give you all of the recipes that you need to batch cook in a simplistic and easy way based on the spring season. You know, I'm all about seasonality over here at Semperitz, and I really want to help you make that more of a part of your life with these very simple and easy batch cooking recipes and to show you how you can make them into five different meals throughout the week. It's going to be epic, so stay tuned for that. And I mean, like the cost of a latte. So stay tuned for that. Um, and get on my email list to be the first one to get that batch cooking guide. To get on my email list, just sign up at SemperitzWellness.com. For now, let's get back to the show and talk about exercise and break down the lie that I just need to exercise more. Now, maybe you knew and maybe you didn't, but I actually used to own a gym. 
It's how I started a business. Uh, It was my first job out of college. I actually started the gym before I had graduated college. uh, And it really started this concept of really wanting to understand and study people. So you could say that maybe I started the gym to just gather a group of guinea pigs. And it was my way of kind of getting paid for that as well as helping other people. But really to start to learn and implement the basics of, okay, what does health actually look like? Because in college and throughout my life, like most of us, we have been fed lies, like calories matter, like the food pyramid is the answer, like you just need to eliminate, restrict, or starve, or you just need to exercise more. And so I thought, having worked as an exercise trainer throughout my college days, that opening a gym was the obvious best next step in helping myself and other people to learn about how our bodies work. Now, what's fascinating about all of this is that I, too, used to believe that we just needed to work out more and harder, and that was the answer. And I spent many days pushing myself and pushing other people to extreme measures. Sometimes I kind of had this conscience battle of like, I know this isn't right, and I shouldn't be letting you do double workouts in a day, but I guess you're getting the results, the quote-unquote results that you want, so it's not going to hurt anyone, right? Like, it's only going to help me have better testimonials. But over time, like that thought just kept coming back to me over and over and over. Are we doing our body justice or are we doing it more harm than good when we try to beat it into submission, when we try to force ourselves into health, when we try to hate ourselves healthy? And what's fascinating about this whole process is that you had a group of people who really loved exercise and you had a group of people who hated every second of being there. Like they wanted to be there because they wanted health more than they... uh, more than they hated obviously being there. But at the same time, you kind of have this split personality. Now, I was always one that really did enjoy a good hard workout. I still do. I still love to sweat. But I've also found my balance because as my story continues, you know that at the beginning of my health crisis, I was doing quote unquote everything right and nothing was working right. I was exercising maybe even multiple times a day because that's what you did when you owned a gym. You worked out with them all day long Um, and I was eating really well and yet I crashed and burned. And this led me to an entire overhaul of how does the body actually work because I think we're missing it. And that's why I want to bring up this lie series, because it's just simple truths that we've twisted and we've manipulated in the health world, partly because it's marketing, right? Partly because we can make a living doing these things and and telling you that you have a problem that needs to be fixed and that we have the solution. But also because I think that we've missed the overall big picture about how our body actually works. Like we're so into specific systems and we're so zoomed in that we can't take a few steps back and understand, okay, this might be good based on these studies, but in the scope of who we are personally, in the scope of you specifically, is this right for your body at least right now? And I think that's the most important thing that we could do for our health is to take a few steps back. Some of us need to take a hundred steps back and look at the scope of our entire life and start to get a picture of, okay, where am I right now? And where are my thoughts? You know, do my thoughts align with where I am right now? And do my thoughts or these beliefs that I have in the health space, these quote unquote lies that I believed, do they, do I really believe that this is the right next thing for my body? And I think what you're going to find most of the time is it's it's not even close, right? 
and why we try to do all these things and why health becomes such a complicated matter is simply because we're trying to live so outside of who we actually are and what we were created for that it sucks all of the time out of our life. And we end up hating it, right? It doesn't last because we hate it, not because it doesn't work or because it's not viable or or useful. Like I think in the matter of fact that we have so much research and it's valid and it's been studied and it's been proven, right? Time and time and time again. But the difference is just because it's been proven in research doesn't mean it's going to work for you. And that's because we have this entire picture of our belief system that's controlling our mind and our choices, which is automatically dictating the outcome or the byproduct, which is our body, (laughs) So yes, we can have these specific things and we can understand that exercise is really good for us and, you know, the research shows all this. That's great. But if our mind and our beliefs don't align with that, then we're constantly at war with our body and no amount of good research is actually going to back up what's going to happen inside of your body. So again, we have to take 100 steps back and obviously a little bit on my soapbox here today, but 100 steps back and to look at, okay, where am I? What have I done in the past? Has it worked? Has it not? Uh, And what is my body actually craving? Now, to bring this back to exercise, what we know to be true about exercise is that exercise is critical for longevity. What that exercise is, isn't. So it's not to say that you have to do CrossFit or you have to be a runner or all these things. No, 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 no. What they found over the course of time and studying people who've lived to 100 or more is that they weren't so fascinated or fixated on movement of getting 60 minutes of intense exercise a day of doing CrossFit or whatever it is, but they were just more focused on daily activity. They were moving as a part of their natural, normal rhythms of life constantly throughout the day rather than focusing on a duration of just set number of workouts throughout the week. And I think that there's a really big and critical difference that we face here is that people who are living the longest, the the number one exercise for longevity is still walking. And we think, well, that sounds too good to be true, right? But it is true. Walking is the number one exercise associated with longevity. And the reason behind that is, is because it's movement that can be sustained, And I think that we miss that sustained part because we're so fixated on weight loss. Now, I think health is going to go one or two ways, right? We have the choice to enter health and enter this health space because we want to lose weight. Or we can come about health as a form of longevity. It's either or. It's not both. I think, yes, you can come into the space of like, I want to be like, I want to go in this for longevity and, and witness weight loss as a byproduct of that. But if you're coming in strictly to see results externally, I think we're missing the mark. Because when you come into health and exercise to see results, what happens? We're left doing the quick fix. We're left doing the intense exercise that we've been told is going to matter. But we forget about the long-term implications of that. One is the fact that a lot of times when we come into weight loss for the quick fix for just the results... We miss the purpose behind that, right? And so we're working so desperately for an external appearance to change. And we're doing this by extreme measures. Just like we talked about the pendulum. Like it takes work to maintain that, which means you're going to have to set aside things that you're actually purpose here, like things that give you life in order to maintain or to achieve this. Not to mention weight loss is hard to 
maintain when it's not based in longevity, when it's not a byproduct of just a healthy life, right? Yes, you can lose weight, but not be healthy. This is the most common thing that's happening today is people are losing weight and they're exercising more and they're counting calories and they're cutting macronutrients and they're seeing weight loss. But just because you've seen that weight loss does not mean it is healthy and it doesn't mean that you could sustain that for the rest of your life. Longevity, on the other hand, states these are the practices. These are the daily rhythms and habits that can be maintained forever. Longevity is long-term. Like that's that's the root of the word, long-term. And has a little word long in it because it's, it's not a fast process. It's not quick, but it is sustained. So I think we have to think about exercise of, one, why am I entering the health space? Why do I want to work out? If it's for weight loss, like this podcast is hopefully going to convince you why that's a bad mindset in general. But if you want quick weight loss, you're probably not listening to the show because, you know, that's not what we're about here. But if you want it for longevity, then I can start, I think you can start to come at this place from a different space and a different mindset. Like we said, our mindset controls our behavior or our actions, which is going to then create the byproduct of the body. So all that to say, I think it is a really big lie to say that we just need to exercise more. Because I think that creates the belief that we have a problem that can be solved with working out alone. And that can't be. And that's not true, right? Exercise has to be a place of purpose, of longevity. There has to be reason behind it. Because you're not going to see the results quickly enough, at least not doing uh, exercise in a healthy way that you want to. It takes time in order to see the results from living a healthy life right? If you're going to heal from the inside out, it's going to take work and it's going to take months and lots and lots of healing to actually see that come in the external form. I mean, I'm three years out and I feel like this is the first time that I actually feel like it's safe and it's okay for my body to start shedding some of the weight that it put on during the thick of my sickness. It takes time, right? Like it took time to get sick and unhealthy. It's also going to take time to get well, but it doesn't mean that that's wrong or the problem. Because what I know and what I believe is that when we do it over the long haul, these three years that it took me to get to this point to actually be healthy are going to turn into 60 years of health where I don't have to worry about this. But if you want to do the quick fix, what do we know? Like statistically speaking, that will fail 100% of the time. And so we see this yo-yo dieting. Like you might see a quick fix, so you might not have had to wait this quote unquote three years or heal these three years to get to this point. But you also are going to see, okay, here's a year of losing the weight and keeping it off. And then here's five years of gaining it back on. And then a year of taking it off. You see, so you're like the majority of the time you're living in unhealth rather than seeing the results that you want to see. So I think the big point in all of this is that we have to get past the results mindset. We have to get beyond the idea that uh, our health is just a result. No, no, no. Health is not a result. It's not an outcome. Health is an action. It's how we live. It's not the end goal. But as long as we stay so results focused or outcome based, we will fail and we will feel like a failure and we'll carry all kinds of shame and guilt around with us. And man, it's going to wreck our lives, right? So if you think health or your exercise plan is causing or wrecking a lot of havoc or you or you say to yourself, I, I can't exercise because I don't have the time. I think we're believing exercise to be something different than it is. I think we're believing it to be this outcome-based thing that we're almost scared to walk into. 
creating this abnormal life picture that you can't even grasp or, or rationalize in your head doing. I feel like I'm all in your business today. <laughs> I'm sorry. Bear with me. This gets good. I promise. But on the other side, if we just start to see exercise as a purpose and longevity, as a place of getting our bodies well and keeping our bodies well, keeping our muscle mass, then I think we can come beside it and say, okay, then then exercise doesn't have to be this all intense thing that I hate, but I can just start moving even if it's just 10 minutes here and there throughout the day because it makes me feel better as a whole. When we take away the outcome, we're more likely to stick with it because then we can create that resolve to stay in it because we see that it matters. So I want you to see that exercise matters outside of our external appearance. Will that happen as a byproduct? Yes, but only in the right mindset will it stay. So with all of that to say, there is a right way to exercise and a wrong way to exercise. But again, I think we have to think about it as quote unquote exercise or hardcore exercise versus just movement. Because if we start to grasp this idea that we just need to move, then there's less pressure on what that is, how long it is, and how intense it is. Do I think intense exercise is important? Of course I do. Because muscle mass is metabolically active. We should want to build muscle mass because as we age, it's only going to decrease. So of course, longevity-wise, exercise is one of the best indicators of longevity simply because it's maintaining the very structural component that's going to keep you upright and moving and metabolically active, right? It's disease-resistant is what we would consider muscle. And so we want to go there. But again, if we go back to the space of movement, I think it does take the pressure off of what that looks like, how long that is, and the intensity of which it is. And it just goes back more into what do you feel like in the day? Like exercise becomes quote unquote non-negotiable. You just do it because there's purpose behind it because that's part of living a healthy life outside of getting the results. But in the day, you can make that decision or you can make that, that choice on what that's going to look like. And I think that's going to be based on seasonally and cyclically for women specifically. Um, but seasonality has a really big role in that. Also how the health of your body is. Again, meeting you where you are. Now, exercise, on the other hand, says like you need to work out five to seven days a week for 30 to 90 minutes, and it has to be this many days of intense exercise, or I just need to run every single day. But that defies a lot of myths that are actually happening in the exercise world. So what I want you to do is come back to this place of focusing on movement over exercise. Are they the same thing? I mean, yeah, kind of, right? But I feel like movement comes with a better mindset. Movement is a belief that I'm going to move my body in a number of different ways, and that's going to change daily and cyclically and seasonally based on what my body needs, but I'm going to do it in a way that has purpose and it has meaning and it makes me feel really good. Exercise, on the other hand, is like, let me beat my body into submission. No pain, no gain. Let's get after it. And if you can't sustain that, then you become a failure. I mean, maybe that's a little extreme and a little harsh, but I hope you're getting the picture that movement is critical. What that looks like is very dependent upon person to person. So of course, like I said, it's really great to change up the movement of your body. When we study longevity specifically, we do see that walking is the number one form of movement 
that is sustained over the long term. Of course, that's the case, right? But they also find that biking and swimming and dancing, these are all very powerful movements that are really critical to the body. So I like to come at it as a fact of like, okay, we're going to create the habit that movement is critical for the daily life every single day. But how intense that is, is also going to vary day to day. Should it be intense every single day of the week? No. And that's creating more stress that's actually harming your body, which we're going to break down in just one second. But again, coming back to this place of exercise, you're just going to change it up. Like I think the most important thing that we can do is change it up week to week based on what we're feeling like in that moment. Now, it's not to say that you can't or shouldn't push yourself, but starting out to make this a habit, you definitely shouldn't make it so painful that you hate it, right? You have to work up to that. Don't expect yourself to start there, but if you're just starting exercise or you haven't been moving for a period of time because you've burnt yourself out on it or you've injured yourself in the process of it, start slow. Just start walking in the mornings, maybe adding a few days of strength training or doing a few activities that build strength because that is really important. Really, in in the scope of our metabolism, what our purpose and movement is building and maintaining muscle mass. That is what's critical because our muscle is metabolically active. It also helps improve bone density and it helps prevent muscle loss as we age. So anytime we can build and maintain muscle mass, that is always going to be the most beneficial thing because you will find that as you increase your muscle mass, your metabolism also increases, meaning you're going to burn more fat over the course of your day and your life than you are without it. You're going to maintain your body in a healthier way. So it is important to build strength to move our body. But like I said, what that looks like is very dependent cyclically, seasonally, and just how your body is performing in general. Now, just to break down a few myths, because I feel like I get asked this question a lot or I did when I owned the gym and I think it's a common thing. For females, we often hear that I I don't want to work out or I don't want to do strength training because I'm fear or I fear bulking up. Now, the truth and the reality behind that is, is that yes, some women just tend to carry more muscle mass than others. Like I tend to be a little bit more solid of a human being than other people. And it's strictly due to the relation of hormones that are cycling through your body. So if you have a little bit more testosterone, if your body type is a little bit more built in general, you're probably going to notice that you're going to bulk up a little bit, but you will never bulk up like a male will because that's strictly based on testosterone. So women, do not fear bulking up because that just can't happen. Men, that's that's just strictly based on your testosterone flow and the levels of that. Now, with that being said, there are times in a woman's cycle when they do have more testosterone circulating. So women are going to have the most testosterone in the second phase and third phase of their ovulation cycle, which is the follicular phase and the ovulatory phase. So that's basically the phase right after your menstruation and right into ovulation. That's when we see testosterone peaking. This is also tends to be the best phases, like right after your period when women tend to have the most energy, have the most stamina, and can do the hardest workouts, the most intense workouts. That's drastically going to fall as women get closer to menstruating just based on energy levels and needs and the hormonal flow. So can women bulk up? No, it's pretty impossible. I mean, yes, women can get built and and do that. But if you're just strength training a couple times a week to build muscle, you're never going to bulk up. A woman really has to work at it in order to get really, really bulky. On the flip side, I do often hear and I do get the question of I started working out and I feel like I gained weight. 
yes, the scale's a bad indicator of the health of your body. It just is, right? The scale cannot tell you that this weight is healthy for you and this weight isn't healthy for you. Because the reality is that per square inch of of mass, muscle weighs more than fat. Not per pound, right? Per pound, it's all the same. But a pound of muscle looks significantly different than a pound of fat. A pound of fat is very fluffy. It's like if you were to weigh a pound of marbles and a pound of feathers, right? They're two totally different things in volume, but the weight is always the same. Now, with that being said, yes, if you start working out and you start exercising and you start building muscle, you are going to see the scale go up, right? Before it goes down, or maybe even if it doesn't change at all. But that doesn't mean it's unhealthy. The scale is not an indicator of health. That's an outcome, right? That That's, again, setting you up for failure. Because the reality is when you build muscle, you're going to see yourself become leaner. Your metabolism is going to go up. But also when you start working out, you're going to start storing more water. It's a process in storing glycogen, which helps your body have reserves to exercise, all these things. Like you do see a little bit more water retention, especially initially as your body's adjusting to this. Do not fear the weight gain. Maybe even put away the scale because again, it's not an indicator of health. Um, It's a very bad measure. So yes, you can gain weight, but that doesn't mean you're, it's unhealthy and it doesn't mean that you're gonna grow in size, right? You're gonna probably become leaner and denser and that is good. That is structural for your body. And the last myth that I have is that you, again, going back to that lie that you just have to work out more. And this is when I want to talk about the difference between good stress and bad stress. Just very briefly, because in a few weeks, I'm going to release an entire podcast about this, about just beating your body into submission and why that doesn't work. And we're going to break down good stress in the body and bad stress and how bad stress can become good stress and good stress can become bad stress and really just how to get back into balance. All that to say is that exercise is a good thing. In fact, it's a very good stress on the body. Yes, I know it, it. we have this notion that any stress is bad stress, but that's not true, right? Uh, stress is any time your body is outside of homeostasis. Yes, in the chronic situation, this is really bad. But in the short term, especially with a good mindset or the right mindset, this can be a really great thing for your body. So uh, just a positive example of good stress would be like if you're falling in love or someone gives you a hug or you're really excited about a vacation, you can feel that in your body, right? Your heart rate almost starts to go up. You might get some butterflies in your stomach. You just have more energy flowing, right? You feel really good. That's good stress. Can we sustain that forever? No, because then that turns into a bad thing too, right? Like we see this with exercise again. Endorphin junkies, People who have the runner's high and they run day after day after day because they're almost addicted to that endorphin rush. But again, overtraining sets you up for a number of injuries and illnesses. And so that's not good either. So too much of a good thing can become bad. But also at the flip side, what I see more often is people pushing their body through exercise that is actually a bad stress. And what this would be more like is when you're physically trying to push your body to no pain, no gain, beat my body into submission, I've got to wake up, I've got to do it every single day, day in and day out, and I hate every second of it. Like I'm just going to go do it, get it done, and get home so I don't have to worry about it the rest of the day, right? We hate exercise, but we think we have to do it, so we keep pushing our body and we keep working at it. And really what you're doing there is you're just getting your body into a negative cycle of bad stress. 
which is doing a totally different effect than the excited stress or the endorphin stress is. And that's releasing all kinds of cortisol, inflammation, and it's leading to more injury, a bad mindset, depression, and weight gain. Because remember, anytime that we stress our body beyond what it wants in a negative way, our body goes into conservation mode. Yes, you're burning some of that off while you exercise, which is going to be beneficial. So it's not going to be as critical as life stress or relationship stress or financial stress. But at the same time, you can actually see an increase in inflammation with people who are working out for the wrong reasons and in the wrong ways. And this can lead to excess weight gain. I know it's mind-boggling and it's maddening because you can work really hard, but you could be losing ground. And this is my big warning for people because I do not want you to be here. I want you desperately, and my mission is to help you express your energy that you have in the right direction so that you can see health and purpose and happiness and joy and all the things. But again, so often we're pushing all of our energy into these extremes and we're doing all this and we're just losing energy and losing progress. We're losing energy and we're losing ground. And that's not fun. And so, yes, if you have, uh, if you're doing exercise that you hate, uh, that hurts your body, that you're physically fatigued most of the time, you're doing more harm than good. And a good judge of this is really if you work out in the morning and then you feel like you have no energy to get through the rest of the day, that probably is a great sign that your workout is actually causing more stress than it is good. Exercise, in my opinion, should be one of those things that fills you with energy. Yes, it takes energy to work out, but it should also be a giving life source of filling you up rather than taking away. So if you feel like your routine or your exercise plan is taking away from your life, you're doing it wrong and it is not beneficial and you might as well stop today. However, on the other hand, if you feel like it's giving you life and it's giving you energy and it's making you have more pep in your step, that is a really, really good thing. And we want to gain momentum on that because that's truly what exercise is supposed to be about. So just weigh your exercise plan based on that. Now, this is again going to change seasonally. So I might, for me personally, I started an exercise program. I did it for like 30 some days and I really just started to hate it in a way. Like it wasn't what I was looking for and I wasn't really feeling it anymore. And so I stopped it. Like it was supposed to be a hundred day workout plan. I stopped it because I was like, this just isn't working for me and that's okay. And I switched to something else that was less days a week, uh, had more strength training, and that is what my body loved for this season. In the summer, I tend to be just more active and moving and walking and doing all those things. But again, anytime your exercise plan gives you life and it doesn't suck life, that's a good idea that is working. So again, going back to this idea of stress, if your exercise program is extremely stressful on your body, it's doing more harm than good. And in fact, it's actually causing external results to be impacted, even though you're doing a quote unquote good thing. And it goes back to, it can't just be about exercise. It has to be about movement. And in that movement, something that you enjoy that fills you up and gives you life, it is very cyclical and seasonal depending on where you are in your life. So if we go back to this concept of exercise, then what is good and what is it? Again, I think it's very, very dependent upon your preference. For me, I love a run, but I know that pushing my body too hard running right now is detrimental. 
to my health. So run walking can be really beneficial for me. Just walking and just constant movement throughout the day. So what I've tried to focus on is less about the exercise program because I I, I naturally enjoy that. It, it gives me life. So I'm more inclined to do that anyways. And instead, I'm finding that I need to focus more on just continual movement because I could be one of the people who work out in the morning and then sit the rest of the day, which science has found that people who work out at an intense rate for 90 minutes in the morning and sit the rest of the day are significantly less healthy than people who don't work out at all in the morning and just move constantly throughout the day. So I want to be more active in general, walk more places, garden, get outside with my kids, just move more in general and focusing less on these intense workouts less. Now, I really do feel like it is beneficial for most people to come in with this notion and make a habit that movement has to be a part of our day. And it's great to start that off first thing in the morning or to make going to the gym just a habit. Because if we don't, then we're left with making exercise a decision. And I think whenever we leave exercise in the decision category, it's far easier to say, not today, I'll do it tomorrow, or I don't have time. It's far too easy to let life in and make the decision that you're not going to do it than if exercise is just a part of your normal routine or movement is just a part of your normal routine. Then you do it, you just wake up knowing it's going to happen. It's not a choice. But what you do is the choice. So whether you do yoga or you whether you go for a run, whether you do strength training or Pilates, whether you just stretch or you go for a walk with your dog, like there are multiple options and choices when it comes to what type of exercise. But making exercise a choice is, is what if we got rid of that? For lack of better words, what if we took away that decision and made our only decision around exercise just a choice on what that looks like for that specific day? So I want to get you back involved with that. Like, I, I really hope that this motivates you to say that exercise is a critical part of longevity. It shouldn't be an option. It should be something that we desire to make us feel better. But start out doing things that you really do enjoy. Because in habit formation, we know that daily, taking out the choice of it matters, but also it has to be something that you enjoy. If you don't enjoy it, you're not going to stick to it. So if you hate running, but you think you want to be a runner, you're never going to run, right? Like you might do it for a little while, but you're going to fall off the wagon because you hate it. However, maybe you just like walking. Like maybe you enjoy throwing um, some earbuds in and going on a walk with a podcast playing or, or whatever, or just being in nature. Do more of that. And the more you move, the more you'll have this drive and desire to continue it. And when you continue it, then you can start to implement the practices and the discipline of maybe adding some more strength or some more intensity to kind of vary that throughout the day. Now, I found a really good analogy about this, um, about overworking your body versus just doing exercise for the longevity. And uh, it has to do with a car. So if you think about a car, No one wants to buy a three-year-old car with 100,000 miles on the the odometer because despite being a relatively new, it has been driven too much. You can replace all the tires and repaint all the chassis, but you cannot change every belt, hose, and valve. And there's a high chance that some overworked component will break down. On the other hand, you don't want to leave your car parked in the garage most of the time as this will also eventually cause it to break down. 
The same holds true for every human body. It's important to exercise, but not over-exercise, because knees, hips, and joints will eventually get damaged, particularly if you continue to exercise when you feel pain. On the bright side, certain exercises and diets can cause tissue to self-repair and regenerate, so the human body has built-in advantages over a car. All of that being said, I think it's a great analogy of like, you can't leave the car parked in the garage. You can't leave yourself parked on the couch, but you also can't just go out and drive it hardcore for a few years and expect that to be maintained throughout the course of your life, right? There's a balance to this. Living in balance, that's really, really, really important and also making it normal. Again, if it's outside your norm or if it's not something that feels good for you, it's creating more stress on your body than it is good. So what are some tips to get you in exercise mode? And then we're going to talk about when you should eat based on exercise, because I I do get this question a lot and I just want to address it really quickly. So a few points is, is take out the choice about movement. Movement becomes a daily encounter. It's no longer a decision. The decision or the choice is what you're going to do with that. So don't make it a decision. You're going to wake up and you're going to work out and move your body first thing in the morning. What that looks like completely dependent upon how you feel, especially initially. If you've been working out and pushing your body to extremes, maybe you're going to try something else. Maybe you're going to try point number two, which is finding something that you love. If you hate running and you're still running, do not continue to do that. Mix it up at least initially. Try something else. There are more impactful things, especially than just straight up cardio, that are going to be more beneficial for your body. Maybe try swimming or cycling or go to a dance class. There are tons and tons and tons of different forms of movement. Start experimenting so you do know what you love. And number three is, is stretching is a form of movement and exercise. In fact, some believe that this could be the most critical form of movement and exercise for a body and why things like dancing naturally help this process. And the reason for this is stretching actually helps mobilize the blood flow in and out of our muscles, releasing nutrients to our cells and also taking away carbon dioxide, which is how fat is actually lost. It's not lost in other things and it doesn't melt in all those things. We actually breathe it out. But we have to have blood flow moving in order to get rid of the excess carbon dioxide. We're going to talk more about this next week as I interview someone all about fascia. Because when we talk about stretching and healthy fascia, this will make complete sense why stretching and yoga are such beneficial things for our body and should be included in the movement spectrum. Even more important than intense exercise could be stretching and fascia movement like foam rolling and yoga. So again, healthy fascia is actually more critical than any amount of intense exercise. Exercise helps your fascia by compressing it, but we also have to be careful not to overwork that fascia because when it becomes overworked, then it gets all knotted and it gets hard and compressed. And that's when we see muscle knots and we see injury and dehydration and all these things that are really, again, more stressful to our body, doing more harm than good. So daily movement, Do something you love. Make sure it involves some form of stretching or yoga at least a few times a week. And then cyclically, for women, exercising based on your cycle, the first few phases after menstruation through the follicular phase and the ovulation phase, those are going to be 
the the times when you do more intense aerobic activity and workouts, then as it progresses and as you get into menstruation, you should really slow all the way down. These are great times for your body to rely more on yoga and stretching. If you're working out intensely during your menstruation, you will be doing more harm than good. You will be conserving more fat as energy because it's going against how your body naturally works and against your hormonal flow. So it can be leading to these quote-unquote hormonal imbalances in your body, which are causing, of course, a number and a host of other things, which is really all because of the inflammation that's induced during that time. So for women, know that the first, uh, the, the follicular phase and the ovulation phase, go for it. Go after it, get it, do whatever you want to do at those periods, but then start to slow your workouts down, transition more to walking and Pilates and yoga and stretching as you get closer to menstruation. For men and women both, I think it's important. For men, obviously you run more on a 24-hour cycle, so you can kind of get away with doing the same thing day in and day out um, and see better results from that. So it's a little bit easier for you. But in general, seasonality is also going to play a part in this. Um, We tend to uh, be more be more apt to do more intense exercise during the spring months um, and early summer. And then late summer and fall, we transition to our bodies want to slow down and conserve a little bit more. And it's not to say that you can't do intense exercise at that point, but I think it is important to note that if you want to train harder or start something, the spring is a great time to do that. And then Fall and winter is a great time to maintain with other activities, kind of stretch your body out, give it a little bit of a quote unquote break. And then the last thing that is also going to impact your exercise is when you eat. Now, I want to talk briefly about this because I do get quite a few questions about when should we be eating to maximize our workouts? There's a lot of mixed reviews about this. Um, I think longevity-wise, I still am going to land in the fact that I think exercise in a fasted state for longevity is still the, the way to go. Now, if you're working out for a race or you're working out to get a PR, working out in a fasted state, like you're not going to see the results that you want to see if you're going for a PR or for a time record or something like that or for an intense lifting record. Working out in a fasted state is, again, longevity. It's over the course of time. You just want to do it for health. But if you're trying to set a record or sign up for a race and you really want to perform, working out with some food is going to actually help you perform better because the majority of our exercise is burned via carbohydrates, especially in intense anaerobic exercise. You're going to use more carbohydrates. The reason for this is just because when we're not taking as deep breaths, we're not getting as much oxygen. And in order to break down fat, there's a lot of carbon dioxide that has to be burned off in order to burn that fat off. So you really do have to take more deep breaths. And why we see fat oxidation or or fat metabolism happen more with slow, steady aerobic exercise than we do with intense exercise and why your diet can change based on that. But for the majority of the people, if you're just trying to work out for longevity, if you're just walking for longevity, if you're just doing yoga or whatever, I really do still like the fasted state. You do the intermittent fasting. It's not prolonged fasting. We shouldn't work out with prolonged fasting really at all other than maybe some walking. But if you're doing intermittent fasting and you you have stopped eating after supper from the night before and you wake up and work out, this is ideally the time um, where you're going to see the most fat oxidation or the, or the most fat being used for that workout. 
It also tends to be more consistent, although not fast. Again, not record-breaking times or speeds, but you tend to have a more consistent energy versus when you eat something, you're more likely to have a lot of energy and then you'll probably hit a wall somewhere in, in that period of time. That wall is the point in which your body has ran out of its initial glycogen stores or glucose stores and it has to transition to a new form. And that second wind is when it's picked up a new form of energy for you. So if you're working out in a fasted state, you most often won't hit a wall. However, you also won't be as quote unquote powerful. But there is some really phenomenal studies that show that fasted state exercise increases fat burning both during and after exercise when compared to exercise after food. For people who did a Ramadan fast after 29 days, those who had exercised in an empty stomach reduced their body fat percentage more than those who had exercised after food, despite the same caloric intake. So exercising on an empty stomach has also been linked to improvements in VO2 max, which is the gold standard for measuring aerobic fitness and cycling performance. So there is a lot of research to back that you should exercise in a fasted state. This is how I've trained my body to work out, and I really do enjoy it. I feel like I have less muscle cramping, less lactic acid, which lactic acid is not a bad thing. It's actually another fuel source. But when you're tapped into the fat reserves, your body doesn't really need to build lactic, create lactic acid for fuel. That's only when you're running off of glucose. So I like to keep my body burning more of this fat aerobic state than in this carbohydrate or glucose state, just simply based on um, the longevity of that. However, if I'm going to train for a triathlon or something like that, then that might have to change a little bit, especially during race day and the weeks leading up to that. But in general, I do see that most people have the most improvements in their overall health and their overall quote unquote results that they're looking for over the long haul if you work out on an empty stomach. Now, with that being said, it's the meal after you work out is probably your most important of the day. So just to take a few steps back, does it matter what time of the day you work out? Not really, but we know behavior wise and habit formation People are more likely to stick to a routine of working out in the morning than they are in the afternoon because life happens. But it's also easier to work out in a fasted state in the morning than it is later in the day. So again, working out on an empty stomach, you do have to train yourself here. So slowly take away the food that you eat. If you eat a granola bar and something else before you work out, just go to a banana and then go to a half a banana and just slowly start weaning yourself off and be more cautious not to push yourself to extremes while you're doing this process. But like I said, the most important meal is going to be the meal right after you work out. When your body has a little bit of time, 30 minutes to an hour to kind of um, recover, then your body is going to start craving and, and, and needing that energy input right away. So that tends to be your your best meal of the day should be after your workout, especially if it's in the morning. So really all it needs to be is a good mixture of protein, fat, and carbohydrates. (laughs) You don't have to have just specifically one or the other, but just a decent, well-rounded breakfast is all you need to replenish that. You don't need any kind of special shakes. You don't need to drink chocolate milk. Really, it's all a ratio thing. And if you just put together a meal that has a protein, a carbohydrate, and a fat, you're golden. I like to think of this as having some roasted vegetables and some kind of protein on it and maybe some avocado. I mean, it's as easy as that. You don't have to overthink it or overlook it. That's all there is to it. 
protein shakes is a topic for another day. They're not going to do a lot, especially if you're providing your body with natural sources of protein. Maybe some collagen powder, some um, eggs, some sausage or some meat or some legumes, even some beans and uh, uh, veggie hash. That's all your body really needs to replenish that. Anytime you input too much protein, your body will lose it. So don't get carried away or think you need that. But that is going to be the most important meal of the day, and that will set you up for the scope of the entire day and really help you make changes why exercise tends to be a cornerstone or a keystone habit and the snowball effect of just helping you live a healthier lifestyle. Now, with that being said, most people will experience an induced hunger after working out or starting working out. I think this is most often seen when you intensely work out. And you should feed your body well based on that. Like if you're feeling intense amounts of hunger, maybe just add a few things to your lunch and breakfast to overtake that or override that because it's it's your body is giving you a signal that, hey, I burned this and I need to recover. And it's looking for energy and nutrients to recover. And if you deprive yourselves of that, you aren't going to recover as well. You're going to be sore. And again, you're going to enter back into this process where exercise becomes a bad stress. And we don't want to go there. So it's as simple as that. Exercise in a fasted state. If you're just exercising for longevity, eat your best meal afterwards. It should contain all the macronutrients, a healthy, well-rounded breakfast. You don't need any extra protein. And then you just continue eating normal for the rest of the day. Maybe upping your calorie count based on how intense your workout was. On the flip side, if you are working out to perform, yes, you can have um, a mini meal before you work out, but I think it should contain not just straight carbohydrates, not just a bagel, but some amount of carbohydrate and protein, and it needs to be done an hour or two before you work out, not right away. I just can't get behind it. I've worked with a number of professional athletes, and I have them working out in a fasted state the majority of the time. They perform really, really, really well. You're going to have to play with it and understand like, hey, I tried working out in a fasted state for six months and I just feel weak. Then maybe add something to your diet before you work out. If you're going for a walk or you're just doing for longevity, it's a mute point. Like you don't need it and you probably want to stay in that more fat burning phase than going back and forth because you're going to see it. Anyways, so like I said, you don't need anything fancy, no fancy supplements. You just need to eat a well-rounded breakfast. 30 to 60 minutes after you eat, not right away. You need to give your body time to move from the sympathetic mode to the parasympathetic mode or your fight or flight or this kind of stress response into a non-stress response so that you can properly digest that food and absorb everything that you need. So you do need to allow a little gap in there before you just snarf down food. All of that to say is that there are a lot of ways that you could be eating and doing it, but it really just should be simplistic and basic And if you're listening to this, I really hope that you heard that movement should be for longevity, not for weight loss. If you look at this and you get outside of the outcome of what exercise is supposed to provide and you just stay in it because of the purpose and the goodness that it provides the body, you will see all that happen as a byproduct. You do not have to fear. But if you go in strictly for weight loss, you are going to leave feeling bad and mad and frustrated and all the things because it's probably not going to happen as fast as you think and it's definitely going to stall the results that you could see with that mindset because what we know about the stress response whether good whether exercise is good or bad is it's based on our perceptions 
all stress is based on our perceptions. We have to be very clear about this. So you could work out intensely and hate it, or you could go in with it tomorrow and think, okay, this is really great for my body. I'm going to listen to my body and I'm going to have the right mindset behind it completely changes the entire hormonal cascade that's happening inside of your body and what your body's doing with that workout. Again, I think it all goes back to it's not so much what you put in your body or what you do to your body. It's what your body does with it that matters. And that's based on your perceptions. So that was a really long podcast about how and what exercise should look like in your body, the different spaces, and really just making exercise non-negotiable. Movement is a part of a healthy life, and therefore, I'm going to do it on a daily basis. What that looks like is going to vary. And really, just stop believing a healthy life is a big deal or that it's going to ruin your life or it's a huge stress. Because the more we fixate on that and the more energy we give into the idea that health is stressful, the more we feed that and the more it is going to be that, right? But if we can just step back and understand that health can be normal for you, it doesn't have to take away from your life or take away from your time, but it can actually add energy to that. And that's the health we want to go for. And I hope that's what you're getting here. Like I said, you can find more information about this show over in the show notes at simperitswellness.com backslash 206, breaking down the lie that you just need to exercise more. It is very untrue. And I hope that you just took away, okay, exercise and movement, it's a non-negotiable. You're going to start doing it. Even if it's just for five or 10 minutes tomorrow, start doing something and just commit to that. What if you commit in the next 30 days, I'm just going to move my body for five minutes a day. I bet that five minutes will turn into 10, maybe even 20, and you'll really start to feel better and start to grasp and understand what that looks like for your body. So maybe that's it. My challenge to you is five minutes a day. Move your body, whether you stretch, whether you do some yoga poses, whether you pick up some weights and just do some simple squats, whether you go outside for a walk or you try walk running, something for five minutes a day. Try it out, take it for a test spin, and start to understand what movements do you enjoy? Okay, that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. Make sure you head on over to the show notes at simperitswellness.com backslash 206. Also, don't forget you can sign up for personal counseling over at my website by clicking on the button called work with me. We can break all this down and I can hold you accountable personally to your diet, exercise, and your mindset because your perceptions matter. Next week on the show, I have a very special guest. She is a well-renowned expert in her field, all about fascia. She's going to break down what it is, why it matters, and how fascia maybe could be holding the secrets to your health. So stay tuned as we dig into that. And then the following week, we're going to break down the chemistry of fat loss. Yes, we're going to go there and talk all about it. So stay tuned. We have some really great shows coming up, and I'm so glad you're here. Don't forget to share this with your friends and family. Take a screenshot. Share it on social media. Tell them why you're loving Simple Rich Radio. Tell them about it at your next family event or at your next gathering with your friends. Really, the best way to grow this podcast is by you sharing it with other people, and I'm so grateful for you. Okay, that's it for today. I will see you back here next week for that interview all on fashion.